So this is what's going on, folks. We're sitting here uh, waiting for Graham Hancock to get here. He was uh, doing some sort of a uh, seminar in Orange County. And so uh, that's like at least an hour away. So Duncan and I, instead of just sitting here staring at each other, decided to stare at each other online. <laughs> so that is the, that's the, um, the basic motivation for this podcast. Yep. I ended up uh, getting out here is crazy, man. I ended up in some... My GPS took me in a bad direction this time. Like you're out in the middle of nowhere, man. I ended up in a place that was like the surface of the moon. I don't know where the fuck it was. Spooky. It was spooky. Like I could have gone off a cliff and no one would have found me for a week. You'd be fine, dude. Don't worry about it. You're tweaking. Stop your tweaking, son. I'm tweaking, bro. Are you scared of nature? Terrified? No, I'm not scared of nature, but I am scared at night when I'm when you're going around like winding curves through meth country. I'm not exactly like I'm not exactly comfortable with those curves. Who lives out there? Uh, there's a lot of people live out there. Yeah, man. but Some my window like space. They like to be away from each other. I like space. Why do people assume that? But it is a strange thing. Why do people assume that when someone wants to be away? That they want, they want some space between you and them. There's something creepy about them. Oh, they're out there fucking cooking meth, and yes. you, know, you automatically assume, why is that cabin by itself with that chimney blowing smoke? What the fuck are they cooking in there? You yeah, you know, you don't look at it and go, look at that guy. He's out there just doing it by himself, chopping wood. No, you assume automatically that some creepy thing is going on out there if he's by himself. When traditionally the creepy people are the ones who live underneath you in your apartment. Those, <laughs> yeah. are, the real, those are the real creeps. Are. The ones who are masturbating to your footsteps. <laughs> I have a footstep fetish. <laughs> oh, yes. There was a, a documentary, you know, that uh, VBS.TV. You know, that yes. website. They, I, I wouldn't call it a documentary. I guess I'd call it a, uh, an episode where they went and they went and visited this guy who lives in like northern, eastern Alaska. He lives like way the fuck up there. They have to drop him off supplies and he lives in this little tiny shack and he's like one of the few people that's allowed to live there and he's been there for like 20 years. This dude never even saw. 9-11. He never saw the towers go down. Wow. He'd like heard that something had happened. He's so removed from everything. He's got like a little generator that sometimes he powers up a TV, but and he's got movies that they watch. But dude, this guy's living in the woods in a tiny one-room house with his wife, who looks like some sort of an Eskimo, you know, type of woman, and uh, they're fucking happy as shit up there. He says that hunting and gathering is like what keeps you happy, and that's what what keeps him happy. He's out there shooting caribou and following them. I mean, this fucking dude loves it. He loves living up there. It sounds great. He had to shoot a bear on one of the episodes because the bear had came too close to his house, and the bear bears kill their dogs and shit. So it's the middle of the night, they're running after this guy with a camera, and he's running through the woods with a fucking shotgun, and boom, boom, he's just blowing holes into this fucking bear and chasing it down, while they're all chasing after him with cameras in the middle of the night in the woods in Alaska. Dude, it's gnarly. <laughs> it's 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 a it's amazing footage too. It's a, it's a, such an interesting insight into someone who would choose to live that life, you know. Which seems so horrifying to us, but to him, like, our life is just fucking mundane. There's nothing to it, and he, he just can't get excited about it. I don't think it's horrifying. I, 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 don't, I've, I think it sounds amazing. I mean, there's something about being self-sufficient that yeah. seems like it would feel so incredibly good yeah. to be completely off the grid and know that 
if the if everything fell apart, your life would barely shift at all. Yeah, that's interesting, right? But that's like, is that like instincts to not join the system? I mean, is that what that is? Is that some sort of a resistance of the hive, you know, that would feel good to not need all these people? You know, isn't that ridiculous? Because the reason why everything is so awesome, the reason why society in general is so awesome is because millions of people contributed to make this one colossal thing that relies on millions of people. But it, it, but because all these other people are involved, it's fucking awesome. It's right. amazing. It's got some terrible parts about it, too. But the idea itself and what can be accomplished with it is fucking amazing. So why do we want to not need that? Why do we want, do we want the, uh, keep the option open to be a cunt? So, so you can just fucking fuck off. I'm just going to go live off caribou in the middle of nowhere. Well, that's the, that, that's like the argument, you know, like people have that argument against monks. Like when someone goes and becomes a monk, it's the same argument. It's like, what are you doing? You're ignoring all of society to go and do and, and be a monk. Isn't it better to be in the world than it is to go and isolate yourself? How if you do go and isolate yourself? Are you, so what? Whatever you learn, you're still, it's not applicable to people in the world. But some monks, I don't think they give a shit. Uh, you know, some people, they just don't care. They're, mm. they're not concerned with the society. They don't, it doesn't make any difference to them whether they're contributing or not. Like, who cares? Right. Yeah, and I hear you, man. I know what you're saying. I've had that, that thought in my head about monks, you know, like, like what, what, what kind of a loser just wears a fucking orange robe and never beats off and just hides and chants all day? Right. Like, dude, you're missing out on muscle cars, blowjobs, great movies, weed, cookies. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're missing out on killer restaurants. You're missing out on shit talking. Jokes. And the monks, like, you're missing out on astral projection. You can't send your spirit to the higher dimensional planes to communicate with the supreme gods. Your third eye is sealed shut. You have no idea about the what it feels like to be completely in tune, vibrating with the harmony of the universe. You're just you're just humping. So you're you just think- leg humping down there in the city while I'm floating around through the eternal paradise, uh, outside of time and space, in like a pure transcendent bliss. <laughs> Do you think there's a monk who could talk that good shit? If there's a monk totally. who could talk like that and say things like that, that guy should like be doing tours. <laughs> you know, he would recruit monks like left and right. He could change the world if a guy could speak that way about being a monk. Yeah, well, they they uh, I think what theoretically what may happen is that as as you uh, evolve and and begin to like open your chakras up and this is purely theoretical but i think that you begin to extinguish the desire to even, to tour you extinguish the desire to to do to to perform you don't want to do that anymore you're just kind of in another place altogether right you've zoomed out it's like google maps you've zoomed so far out that so you you see so you're saying that the more you would go down the road of meditation the less you would want to do stand up comedy are you saying that is that what you mean by tour yeah, well, no, yeah, I mean, like, the show, like, the uh, exhibitionism, you know, like, the, the for, a, you were saying uh, somebody who talked like that should, should tour and talk to people. Oh, I'm see. saying someone who talks like that, you know, you. and it's all a, the, it's a, all a, a, a theoretical idea, but, uh, the you know, the, the assumption when someone becomes a renunciate, I think, is that they're, they're not, they're not experiencing happiness. Right, right. When it may be that the thing that they're experiencing is a million times better than what they were experiencing in the world. Well, I know for a fact that I have achieved at least bizarre states of consciousness just from yoga. I uh, I remember one time uh, I was in New York and I was real nervous. I had to do uh, 
the Howard Stern show the next day. It was the first time I ever did it. And I was genuinely nervous. And I couldn't sleep. So I was in my hotel room reading off of this ancient yoga book and doing these poses. And I did yoga for like an hour and a half. And at the end of it, I felt fucking great. I mean, I didn't just feel great. I felt high. I felt tingly. My body was like, I felt tingles, like a glowing tingle. I mean, I did this intense yoga routine for an hour and a half. And when it was over, my body had just stretched everything out, released all the tension, opened up all the, the, the whatever the fuck it is. You want to call it chakras, you want to call it senses, you want to yeah. call it, you know, your, 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 whatever, your ability to tune in to what's around you was all that was just cranked to 10. I was like, wow, if this was a drug, if this feeling like a, an intense yoga workout, you know, you, it can feel very much like a real mild pot. You know, like, yeah. like whoa, like nothing, nothing that's going to make you fucking drive shitty or forget, yeah. forget your keys, but something that's going to make you just a little, just a, whoa, I feel a little better. Right. I feel a little more relaxed. I feel a little sensitive. I feel, I feel good. Yeah. Well, that's a, you know, that compo- that's, I felt that too from yoga and I felt that from chanting and I felt that from any kind of ritualistic thing that has, you know, spiritual undertones to it, which I think yoga does. You got deep into chanting, right? Didn't you? You got at one point in time. You were, you know, you 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 like you can chant out that fucking crazy. I got Hindu deep thing. into it. What is that thing that you you busted out on the podcast? That thing is before? a that's a Hari Krishna prayer. That's a prayer that you read before that you say before you're uh, going to read the Bhagavad Gita, and it means the Hari Krishnas read the Bhagavad Gita. Oh yeah, that's their primary text. Wow. That and the Srimad Bhagavatam. Whoa! But the the yeah, you say that prayer. Um, and they have a bunch of other texts too. I mean, they're really, that's how they spend most of their time is studying the Vedas. So they know almost nothing about the Hare Krishnas. All I know that when I, when I was a kid, people made fun of the Hare Krishnas. It was like a stock joke, you know? Oh, sure. Kids. Oh, and in movies too, an airplane and so many yeah. movies they get made fun of because they would go and hang out at the airports and they're these guys in saffron robes with right. shaved heads. Right. So it was like, they would try to sell books, right? Yeah. They try to, yeah. they try to sell books. And so there's a lot of reasons that they did get made fun of. <clears throat> and it was like, for, for me, what happened to me was, um, well, there was also a bunch of legal cases too, right? Weren't there like real cult like scenarios with men? Oh yeah. Women? It's organized religion, man. And, and it's hardcore organized religion that recommends, um, you know, renouncing the world. Like it, it, it doesn't tiptoe around the fact, like it's hardcore into the idea that the, the, uh, the way to live, if you really want to be happy is to let go of all the things of the world and start chanting, uh, the Hare Krishna, a Maha Mantra. And that the, um, but it's very important to realize that that mantra is not, owned by ISKCON, which is the Hare Krishnas. That's like the Catholic Church for mm-hmm. this um, sect of uh, Hinduism, um, which is known as Bhakti Yoga. So there's a lot of different schools of thought in it, and it's a very deep philosophy that has its roots in the idea that there is... Um, that God... Everything comes from God. And so the word Krishna means uh translates into the reservoir of all pleasure so it's the idea is like all pleasure all opulence all happiness 
everything springs from some source, like the Big Bang, except the spiritual Big Bang. And this is a, they believe that this is an intelligent force in the universe that has specific qualities. And so people are kind of born with this case of amnesia where they've forgotten that this even exists. And so they begin to become attracted to these qualities and different things. So people are attracted to beauty. People are attracted to intelligence. People are attracted to wealth. People are attracted to um, strength. But they say that these are just the sort of the, uh, what people are seeing as the qualities of the supreme uh, being reflected through the material universe, and that's what people are attracted to. And so by the specific process of bhakti yoga, you begin to turn your uh, your senses back towards the original source of all this stuff through this very, very strict discipline of chanting, not eating meat. Um, they recommend the, the monks that wear the robes. It's called the four regulative principles. So you don't eat meat. You don't uh, use any intoxicants, no sex, and no gambling. You wake up at 4 every morning, 4.30 every morning. You chant, I think, 16 rounds of this mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And you study, and you live in a temple, and that's how you spend your life. And that's like and, a, and you're studying the Bhagavad Gita. You're studying the Vedas, the Bhagavad Gita, and the Srimad Bhagavatam, and all these other religious texts. And you get deep, deep, deep into it, to the point where you complete... I mean, they, they recommend... In as I recall, there it's like your fa- even your fan your family is just a your is your karma your fan like your attachment to your family it's just your karma it's like let go of all those attachments surrender to this higher force and then you'll experience transcendent happiness and the ultimate goal in life is to try to connect with God that's the only reason to be alive and if you're not engaged in that activity then you're miserable then you're not really experiencing the type of happiness that and even if you think you're experiencing happiness it's nothing compared to what you can obtain from uh living like a, a spiritual life and chanting this mantra and what happened to me but this is you're not saying this is your opinion you're saying this is what they no that's like you know it's a summary of of it it's not my opinion right. but i what happened to me but you're saying it like almost like in the first person like oh yeah that i mean yeah i'm just explaining it i mean i'm you don't, you I'm, don't really I'm, believe that though right no, I mean I'm a comedian. <laughs> I, I was like just but, smoking but, in front of House of Blues, drunk. I'm not. I'm not like. <laughs> right, but have you ever considered that maybe that would be a path that you would you would get so uh, interested in it because you are interested in all those principles. You are interested in well, yeah, higher t- consciousness and truth. Have you ever thought about doing something like joining a monster? Well, well what happened was uh, when I got into the Hari, when I got into the Hari Krishnas, what happened to me was. Um, because you know, you have an, if you have an experience, you've had an experience. There's no way around it. If you have an experience, you have to accept that the experience happened, and you have to tell the truth about the experience, one way or the other. Right. So, for me to not talk about the, you know, that part of my life, or to pretend that I wasn't, I, I had a conversion experience where I was in this temple on. Um, Jamastami, which is uh, the uh, what they call the appearance date of Krishna. It's like Christmas, basically. And um, what I was, what had just happened before that is, I someone had gotten me really high, like really stoned. So I was sitting in the, in the temple, 
and they're like ringing bells and they have these like deities that they worship and they're pouring this uh uh, I believe they pour like milk on the deities and it's like there's just it's all your senses are being uh, overwhelmed. They're burning incense. They've got like flowers everywhere. So the whole place is garlands of flowers. So it's just the smell of flowers and incense and monks, you know, like the guys with the shaved heads and the necklaces that they wear and like bells ringing. So your senses are completely overcome. And I've never had this experience before or since. But I was looking at these symbols, and all of a sudden the symbols, it felt like I was seeing past the symbols into something deeper than what those symbols were. The symbols were just a human's attempt to try to uh, embody this greater thing that exists in the universe. And, And all of a sudden I felt, the only way I can explain it is it felt like I was, sounds so crazy, felt like I was on a spaceship. I thought, oh, this is like an advanced, this is what an advanced intelligence is like. This felt, it felt like I was looking at something that was a billion times smarter than I was and that it was being somehow tuned into in this ritual that if you were outside the ritual, it would just look like uh, a lot of pomp and maybe some brainwashed people, uh, you know, going through the motions of something. But in the inside of it, it felt like this incredible blast of super intelligence. And that happened to me. And like, it it changed me for my, for the rest of my life, I'll be changed because of that. Like, I'll never be the same after that. What do you think it was? Do you think it was uh, a combination of anxiety because all these people are there and do you do well, you said you were high yes what were you high on marijuana did you eat it or smoke it smoked it hmm. what do you think it was what do you I mean what do you uh, attribute this i mean that's a pretty crazy experience you're talking about well i mean what i think that uh what it, think it was the the, the chant I mean, yeah it's the chant i mean if you chant Hare, the thing about Hare krishna is you don't have to be a um Hare Krishna to chant Hare Krishna. And that's that's the thing that they always said. It's a, the thing that uh, uh, Prabhupada, the founder of the Hare Krishna, said is just chant it. You have nothing to lose. Chant what, it. what the fuck does it do? You, you're saying this specific syn- syn- synchronized series of sounds, yeah. this chant, has a, an effect that actually puts you in a psychedelic state? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's why all, <gasps> the, that's why all the hippies loved it, man. I mean, Whoa. yeah, totally. You, it's, you, oh, think of yoga. Yoga is a... Uh, um, you know, specific movements that you do, that if you do these movements, you go into, a, like what you said, this mild psychedelic state. Well, that's just one form of, you know, that's Hatha yoga or whatever particular type of yoga you were doing. But in the same way, the these mantras that they have um, induce a very specific experience that um, if you do it enough, you will, it'll lighten, the only way to explain it is it will, your mood will lighten, you will, um, the heaviness, you know, that heaviness, man, I, I mean, I, there's a heaviness that people get that I get. And if I'm deeply in this state, that it's what I consider like the road rage state. You know what I mean? Where I'm likely to scream at a car cutting me off or something. Like if you chant Hare Krishna or any of the other, there's a lot of other mantras out there, uh, then, and you do it regularly just for a week 
then you will experience a change in your consciousness. Um, early- how, how is that? How are you attributing that? I mean, what, 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 what could possibly be, I mean, from a scientific standpoint? Placebo, wanna- let's look at the scientific. Let's look at what okay. a scientist might say. I think a scientist would say, well, it's a placebo effect. You know, you can, you could decide to chant any mantra. You could make anything up. You could chant rum de do de do de do if you wanted to and do that enough times if you believe the that intention. it's going to, the intention creates the change. That's the, that would be the scientific explanation of it. The, um, the religious explanation of it is that what you're doing is create, you're tuning yourself in to a specific, you're tuning your neurology in. When you're chanting, you're addressing the language center of your brain. You're focusing in on the specific pattern, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And you do it a certain way, dude. Do it how you do it. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. That's how you would do it if this you is how I chant. If I'm alone by myself and chanting, I chant fast. So it's like, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Rama Well, what Ram Das talked about this and said that it's like kind of the way you chant is just an indication of the where you where you are in life. You know, like so. If I'm more relaxed, the chanting will slow down. But because of because of like because of just the way I am, like I end up chanting fast, and I'll try to slow myself down, but it just ends up going fast again. But if you look at, I mean, I just was watching a video of Prabhupada chanting, and he chants relatively fast, so it creates a sound. Like here, listen, how do you, it creates this weird trippy sound, especially right. when you're if you're do it do it do like in, in your- for real intentions. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. You're easily the weirdest human being. Bust that out like that. That's awesome. That's the chant. Now, but what's cool about it is, you if you listen to the chant, it has the Om in it. Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna Hare Hare, Ram Ram Ram. And some people will just chant the Om, or some people will just chant Ram. That's another chant. Ram Ram Ram. Ram, 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 Ram. All of these are, no matter what you think, and I know a lot, I, uh, people are going to think I'm an, a, you know, a new age freak or whatever, um, but I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. It's helped me immensely in my life. I don't think anyone should do anything more than like what they're comfortable with. But if you're having a bad trip, if you're freaking out in your life, and you're, but if you, especially if you're having a shitty trip and you start chanting Hare Krishna, you will feel better. In every time, man. If you could remember how it goes, just look at it. Blitzkrieged out of your mind, talking to the Lucky Charms guy (laughs) on the top of the world. (laughs) (laughs) You're not gonna remember Krishna, 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 Mm. Ram, Ram. Mm. When uh, when I then just do the om. When I get super baked and get in the tank, I I om. Yeah, because you when you're in the tank. You know, first of all, it's uh, mine is very tall. It's like seven feet tall, and there's a sound when your ears are underwater that's really bizarre, man. When you make a body noise like a, um, and that'll be my all my breaths. Every breath is just that hum, and it's echoing. So as I'm taking in my inhale, I'm still hearing the exhale echo, and then home, uh, and I can I I get I get deep. Yeah, I go deep into crazy train town. The crazy train town. The woods. Yeah. Yeah, the woods of the universe. Well, well, that's the uh, that sound is considered the original um, sound vibration of the universe. That's the sound that all things emerge from. That's like the basic primordial um, sound. Um, Why? 
Oh, I mean, if it was a big bang, do you think it went om or do you think it went ba fucking boom? Ba boom. By the way, what a shitty theory that is. The big bang is the shittiest theory ever, and I'm not a scientist, and I'm, I'm clearly I'm retarded, but yeah. and I know that there's some evidence supposedly that some big explosion happened 14 billion years, but that the, they have no idea why everything was smaller than the head of a pin. <laughs> what are you talking about? So wait a minute, wait a minute. Everything was smaller than the head of the pit. Why was it smaller than the head? We don't yeah. know. We don't know. But we do believe that there was an infant point where the whole universe was smaller than the head of a pin. And they don't even know why. It's the weirdest fucking conversation ever. It's like, someone said it best. It might have been McKenna. I think Terrence McKenna said, um, it's as if they're asking you, just believe in magic only once. Right. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> we don't yeah. know what- just believe ah, in magic only once. <laughs> they, um, they've re- recently uh, figured out a way to get subatomic particles to move faster in light. So that's what they, they believe they've accomplished now. So that brain, it was just really a week ago the scientists were saying time travel is impossible because the speed of light cannot be surpassed. Right. And then, like a couple weeks later, right. these guys say they got subatomic particles to move faster in light. Time travel is open again. So that's the implication. Yeah. Time travel is the big implication because once they figure out how to actually manipulate, it would require an immense amount of power. But just think about what powers your cell phone today and what it was like to have those you know, Apollo 11 computers when they filled entire rooms and they weren't nearly as powerful as your cell phone. Right. And your cell phone is not even plugged in anything. It's in your fucking pocket. Can you explain what that is? I know. Maybe you can, because I don't understand it. I, I, they blasted some neutrinos or something, and the neutrinos were, they reached where they were supposed to reach a few milliseconds before they should have reached it or something? That's a huge question. So let's let's look it up on Google because I, I'm not the person to answer this. And also, I don't think they've totally confirmed it yet. I think a lot of people are still saying that the high, there's a high likelihood for some kind of error in the experiment. Of course. And, well, everybody's going to say that anyway when something's that crazy. Yeah. Up. You know, when someone says, oh, I figured out time travel. Bitch, figure out. Let you me see your papers. You didn't figure out time travel. Let me see your paper, bitch. Yeah, I was thinking about time travel. If there really was a time traveler... Then they could follow somebody by walking in front of them. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. Because you would know where they were going already, so you could walk in front of them on whatever. Yeah, you would have to have, like, a really fucking detailed list of all the shit that's already gone down. You'd have to see it. You'd have to send a time probe back first to, like, watch the... And watch the whole world? Observe whoever you wanted to you'd study. You'd run out of time. You'd die. You'd die of old age. You no, if you wanted... <laughs> <laughs> You could send, you could like, you know, if you wanted to observe like Thomas Jefferson or something, right? Which would be incredible. Yeah, right. To get real video of the founding fathers. Who would you go to if you had, if you had a a, just an open ticket back in time? Clearly, the first person I visit is Jesus. No, hold on, Jesus or Buddha? Jesus or Buddha? That's a tough choice. I think I'd, 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 no. The first human. I want to visit the first human, I guess. The first human? You would want to see cavemen on the field? Yeah, I think that... If I mean, if I had a bunch of chances, that's the first thing I'd like to see. Then I'd move up to Buddha. And then, um, I don't know. All right, here's, a, here's what it is. The research clearly shows that when a total of 15,000 beams of neutrinos were fired, the tiny particles traveled the 730-kilometer... 2.43 millisecond trip, roughly 60 nanoseconds faster than light. Wow. That's faster than light. Because that... That's, that's just... That's period. 
That's not they think. So by that's saying, it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, by saying that, this is CERN that's putting this out. So that's you it. Know? So so if that- you don't know who CERN is, folks, C E R N, look it up. It's the the people that are responsible for the Large Hadron Collider, which is the the craziest scientific experiment ever that's going on right now. I believe it's in Switzerland, right? Switzerland, yep. Sweden, one of those underground. Places. Fucking incredible, gigantic particle collider that is uh, supposed to uncover this thing called the Higgs boson particle, which they call, or excuse me, boson. The, people have corrected me on boson. Twitter. My apologies, boson. The God particle. Yeah, but now they're saying that it's 95% sure that it doesn't exist. Yeah. Fuck. Too bad. You know, you imagine that? They built this gigantic fucking billion dollars. When they're obviously finding out a bunch of other shit. Well, yeah, I'll take time traveler or some yeah. stupid particle. Well, who knows what that particle means? They did create that quark gluon plasma shit that's, I believe it's one sugar cube is like 400 billion pounds or something fucking crazy. <laughs> but that's what it weighs. And they created some incredibly negligible amount, you know, some tiny Thank small goodness. Amount. Yeah. Don't want a lot of that shit laying around. <laughs> Imagine, could you imagine if they made like a marble-sized chunk of it and just dropped through the earth, <laughs> just shot right like into water. the fucking core? Like water. The earth would yeah. just be like a big droplet of water. I wonder how much weight it would take for that to happen. Like for sure, if you had a bowling ball full of this quark gluon plasma yeah. shit. Yeah. That shit would just go right through the earth. Right through the earth. A bowling ball would have to be some insane amount of weight. Yeah, it would be. It would. I, yeah, I don't know what the weight would be. Someone should. I don't know. Try wrapping your head around something that's that dense. Think about like a fat person. You look at like. Think about um, Fat James from the Comedy Store. <laughs> Remember Fat James? Love yes. Fat James. Great guy. Calls himself Fat James, folks. We yes. don't call him. It's it's his nickname. It's Fat James who calls you up. Hey, it's Fat James. Yep. Um, you think about him as a human. He's not a tall fellow, but he's fairly heavy. And you look at him and go, wow, that's a, that's a lot of weight right there. That's a lot of weight. Now think about if he was a quark-gluon plasma. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. can you even wrap your head around that? Yeah. If a sugar cube is sure. 40 billion or 400 mil- billion fucking pounds, whatever the hell it yeah. is, whatever insane. I mean, when you say 40 billion or 400 billion, I, I know that it's, there's a big difference in those two numbers. But to me, none of them even register. I'm just right. making noises with my mouth. I don't right. know what 40 billion means or 400 billion means. That to me is like it's too abstract. It's too big. I'm not assimilating that, you know. But to think of a fat James made out of this stuff, you can't even like. How is that even possible that there could be two types of matter that are both some? They're so far different from each other that they could be the same size, and one of them would be literally the weight of the fucking Earth. Probably not that much. Yeah, it's it's insane to think about that, and it's insane to think that these people are down there tinkering around under Switzerland trying to make this shit. <laughs> That's what's creepy. Well, they make only little tiny amounts of it. You know, they've they're, they've got a great sense of humor about it. They they dress up like the Half Life dudes, and they've like taped yeah. pictures of them pretending to be the characters in Half Life. Yeah, because we don't know the, the the video game Half Life was all about scientists cracking a hole in the universe and. Aliens come over, fuck everybody up. Awesome game. What an awesome game that is. But, dude, I like to think about... uh, One thing I like to think about is the Large Hadron Collider accident. Like, what it would look like. And, like, the way I see it, it goes like this. You're, You're on the internet. You look on wherever you go, CNN, and it says, Fire at Large Hadron Collider. That's the first thing you see. 
And you're like, oh, that sucks. And like, does it, we, this, uh, there was an explosion underground. That's it. Then like five minutes later, it's like, this fire is spreading like no fire we've ever seen before. Like the fire is just all of a sudden just racing through Switzerland. No one understands why it's spreading that fast. And you're like, what the fuck? And then the next thing you think is, what's that? And you're just gone. Because this fucking energy beam is shot around the planet in like a millisecond and just wiped everything out. That's, uh, that's how I know I've eaten too much pot. Because inevitably my mind will start going to the large. I'll start getting getting nervous about the Large Hadron Collider. Have you eaten too much pot today? No. You're okay? Totally fine. You're totally fine? How much of that cookie did you take? Just a crumb. I didn't even open... Oh, yeah, I took a crumb. Good move. Yeah, I'm not... I, I've, I've fucked up so many times. Yeah, the, the, you know, I'm 100% for marijuana legalization, but I think you should at least have to read a book or watch a documentary before you eat yes. one of those cookies. yes. You don't know what the fuck you're getting into. Well, I could eat a cookie. It's just a cookie. Dude. It's no big deal, man. I'm going to eat the whole cookie. The, the, those cookies are crippling sometimes. Sometimes, because you don't know what how many. There's no standard dose. Like, when you get a cookie and it says 2X, what the fuck does that mean? You know, two doses? <laughs> two doses for who? Two X's, three X's. I don't know what this fucking... You're using a porn system for this shit? You're using the porn <laughs> rating system? <laughs> Dude, I had a one uh, a, a one bite of a very small cookie. This cookie was only like the size of a, not even, a, just slightly larger than a quarter. Yeah. Okay, it was a small cookie. I took a little bite out of it. I said, let's just be careful. I'll take a little bite out of it. An hour later, I literally, my whole body was tingling. I wanted to just lie down on the carpet and make like carpet angels. I was <laughs> blitzkrieged. I mean, roaring, roaring through the tunnels of reality, clinging to the earth as it spins a thousand miles an hour. I was gone. And I, all I could think of is, what the fuck would happen if I took that whole cookie? I couldn't even keep my eyes what open. What would happen? I was like this. I was just sitting there. I was like cuddling with myself on the couch. I was blasted. Yeah. Meanwhile, the phone rang and I picked up the phone. Hello? I was talking to a buddy of mine. Yeah, what's up, dude? No, everything's cool. You all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm just uh, getting some writing done. <laughs> all right, man. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Click. Oh, yeah. I went right back into it. I could talk on the phone. Like I, I, I could, I could be okay. I was functioning. Yeah. But I was thinking, what if I took that whole fucking cookie? Yeah, that's funny though. That thing you just said about how that part of your mind, the part of your mind that like clicks back into like yeah. no matter how deep the psychedelic experience is, there what is a part of your mind puts a flashlight in your eyes. Yeah. Like, dude, we're cool. It's all right. Yeah, everything's fine. Sir. Yeah, it's very strange how your mind can do that no matter how far out you get. It's very, it's a, it's a curiosity. Like, there's a story about that Ramdas talks about this lady called him because she was on Orange Sunshine, which was apparently back in the 60s. It was like the ultimate LSD. It was like this legendary acid. And she called him and said, you know, I've, I have, you know, I've gone, I've took too much orange sunshine. I'm going completely insane. I don't know what to do. And he's like, um, okay, well, uh, can you put the person on who thought that they should call me and picked up the phone and dialed it? Cause that's who I want to talk to right now. Cause it's like her, she was logical enough to know how to dial a phone and call yeah. and talk. She was making logical decisions. She had just decided to allow herself to be the crazy person for a second. You know, there's always, that's, that's, what I'm saying is it's like, 
There's always the observer. There's always the part of yourself that's watching you go into whatever the experiences that you're going into, whether it's a psychedelic experience, whether it's a traumatic life experience. There's always the part of you that's just kind of watching. It just depends on who you want to identify with at any given moment. You know, so, so you know, when you get angry. It's so easier said than done, though, when you're talking about someone going on a bad trip. Because when you go on a bad trip, you could feel utterly helpless. Right. The the crazy thing about psychedelics is that you have to you have to release yourself to them. You must submit in order to take in the experience correctly. You got to submit, or you got to take doses where you have no choice. Yes, you know, and those are those that's are, better. The, and, and the, <laughs> <laughs> Said that was awesome. But yeah, no, it yeah, is. You, that was as honest as you could have been. Yes, that's, that's the better thing because yeah. it, when you have to surrender, that involves like this choice to die. It's but, like, but still, the bad trips occur, and the reason why the bad trips occur is because you're fighting it, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there bad trips can occur for a lot of different reasons. I mean, yeah, it's it's oh, quite often it's ego death. You're desperately trying to keep yourself from blinking out of existence. Yeah, you've your ego kicks in and does the exact same thing that happens when someone's dying. Like I used to. But you mean so it makes sense to you then that you know you would be feeling like you're going crazy and be terrified. Oh no, sure. Isn't it the isn't the real problem that there's no one to guide people on these experiences? No, like really yes. seasoned professionals that measure the dose in a clinical setting and like you know like could you imagine how much help? people could get from that sort of an environment dude you've helped me i've talked to you on the phone when i'm way too high and you've inevitably made me feel better just from like talking to you because i'll call and i'll if i'm freaking out i don't remember the specific time but i know that i've called you and just started talking about some terrible idea i have about an like imminent war or something like some awful thing i'm getting paranoid about and you're really good at being like that's not gonna happen you're fine. That's, everything's fine. And it just takes that. It's just one confident person be like, dude, everything's going to be really great. You don't have to worry about anything. And you'll feel better. So, yeah, you're right. There needs to be these people. Especially- but that's not even someone you know who knows what they're doing. That's just a friend. You just called up a friend and it seemed normal. Yeah. But if you were getting dosed up by a professional... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I think... Look, like I said, I do think that everything should be legal. I mean, I think there's horrible consequences to make crack and heroin illegal. And if you want to keep those illegal, I'm, you know, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to fight you right. for meth. I'm not going to fight. I don't think it should be easy to get meth. And I think the people who make meth, for sure, you should fucking put them in a cage. Yes. You know, some asshole wants to get someone addicted to some horrible fucking chemical that's from cold syrup and shit, and it just completely fucks your world up. But when it comes to other stuff, when it comes to, like, mushrooms or ayahuasca or all... You, these these things have to be released to the public. Totally. They have to. Sure. If they don't get released to the public, society suffers. Yeah. Society is more lost. Society is less introspective. Society is more pl- pr- prone to patterns. Yeah, it's like closing a library. It's a type of library you're not like letting people into. Not just a library, but perhaps a, a, a source of inspiration, of knowledge, of wisdom. It might even be another fucking life form. You know, somebody um, uh, corrected me on Twitter the other day about something. about We were talking about mushrooms being plants. And it was like, actually, mushrooms not a plant. It's a fungus. It's a totally different light, life source. It's, isn't it its own kingdom? It's its own yeah. kingdom. And not only that, they're, they're closer to animals than they are to plants. Right. And, you know, 
when when you talk about uh, giant superorganisms, the whole Pacific Northwest, apparently there's some giant mushroom colony in the Pacific Northwest that's all considered, you know, it's under the, it's mycelium or whatever the fuck it is. It's considered one large organism. And it's one of the biggest organisms on the, on the planet. It's like a fucking yeah. sperm whale of mushrooms. I think it's bigger than a sperm. I mean, I think it's huge. Like, it's like, isn't it miles or something? It's like, like something crazy like that. But yeah. it is, it is a life form. And McKenna had this rap about mushrooms that, um, not only did he think that mushrooms were the catalyst for humans evolving from lower primates, but he also thought that mushrooms came from another planet because the because the fact that spores could survive in a vacuum and the structure of yeah. uh, of uh, what is it five p there's like it's called phosphor loxy and and dimethyltryptamine right and he said something like something that, about the phosphorus yeah, in, in it four positions yeah. the only one like it on the planet right there's nothing like that mushroom on the planet and yet it mimics human neurochemistry i mean if, and and dimethyltryptamine is produced in the human body and, the, and it's in the blood-brain barrier, and they think it's responsible for dreams and all that shit. And this stuff has it in it. I mean, right. it is that is part of what it is. And if it really did come from another planet, imagine if you know all of our ideas about intelligent life are based on the ab- ability to manipulate carbon, the ab- ability to manipulate carbon matter. But what if a mushroom is a life form that has evolved so far that it doesn't need a form anymore? It doesn't need to move, and the way it gets you is you eat it, and you can't kill it. It fucking flies through space on an asteroid, gets knocked off of one planet, and travels four billion light years to another one and lands there, You know, and it starts up a new fucking colony of mushrooms, and they grow, and they grow where people are. They don't grow in the middle of nowhere. They're not hard to find. They're on grass lawns. Yeah. They're on lawns where people always are. Yeah. They're always around people, man. Right. Where there's people, there's mushrooms. That's a weird thing. That's a weird thing. The idea that it's a life form, a life form from another planet that came in on an asteroid. And that that's how, it's the theory of panspiria, that, it, that that's how life is seeded throughout the universe. What's the word? Panspiria. That's cool. Yeah. The idea is that the universe is seeded by asteroid impacts, hitting planets and knocking off you know, um, uh, amino acids and the building blocks of life and, and somehow or another some sort of a chemical reaction with another planet. And also comets carrying water and the water comes and, and life is, in, and it's, you know, and the, it goes from one planet to the other. And that's the idea is we're seeded by asteroids. Yeah, that, I've, I mean, that idea I've heard, I've heard McKenna's idea and it, and when you're tripping, it definitely does seem like you are, getting some kind of transmission from yeah. something you're getting well not even a transmission to me to me when i'm really gone it feels like i'm in something right. like i'm a part of it you know like i'm it's not a transmission i'm i'm, I'm in this i'm up my whatever your consciousness truly is outside of cells and fingernails whatever your 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 inner consciousness is this thing took me to another place and so the physical body that right. I exist and move around it literally didn't exist and I was inside this other place it's a, an experience that's not like it's it's not, not like a transmission you know it's almost like more like a chemical gateway feeling and you know we talked about this before the podcast that it could just be your senses fucking with you when you're whacked out on drugs it could right. be it could be that your senses everybody's senses work the same way you take this whacked out drug and everybody gets a reaction the same way but I don't think it is um, and even if it is, 
it's more fun to think that it's not, and there's no evidence to prove otherwise. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with it because it's more empowering. It's more yeah. fascinating. I like to believe in magic. You know, I don't sure. like to believe in too much magic, but I like to believe that mushrooms are magic. I like to believe that DMT is magic. I like to believe that weed is magic. I really believe weed is magic. It sounds stupid, but listen, I'm, I'm talking about it in a, a silly utilitarian way, in a, in a way that's functional and easy to use without delving too deeply into what the weed is. When I smoke weed, all of a sudden I get ideas. I smoke weed and all of a sudden I have ideas. Right. What is that? If that's not magic, I don't know what the fuck is. All the things come to you from the burning of a plant. You burn a plant, you take in its essence. Wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Introspective thoughts, start worrying about your own behavior, yeah. studying yourself, looking at the world differently, thinking about clouds. How strange clouds are, man. They're just floating above us. There's moisture in them. Right. Where's that coming from, man? Well, you're whacked out, man. You're killing your brain cells, man. That's your brain cells dying. That's the first sign your brain cells are dying is you start having brilliant thoughts. You remember that? This is your brain on drugs. <laughs> With the egg. I would have love at any point in time to get high and debate that guy. The war on drugs. <laughs> that, the, 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 that commercial. The VO guy. The no-nonsense guy. This yeah. Is, see this? This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Bill Hicks had a great bit about Well, every comic at the time had a great bit yeah. about that. But Bill Hicks had a particularly brilliant one about that. About how preposterous it was, you know. There, you remember those commercials that came on after 9/11, where uh, a guy was a no-nonsense guy in a steakhouse with a suit on, eating a salad, and his friend was like the silly man. And his friend were like, "Man, you can't tell me that, you know, if I smoke pot, I'm supporting terrorism." Goes, yes, I can. And he's eating eating the lettuce. You know why? Because it's true. That's a commercial. <laughs> Like the no-nonsense man who's with his suit on and eating a salad. I'll tell you right now, mister. The drugs that you support terrorism, they're selling marijuana. Fuck, man. They're the most retarded. There's no logic to them. They appeal to the weakest of emotions. The desire to be this fat douchebag eating a steak salad, you know, with a suit on. I'm a no-nonsense man. Bob's always working. That's right. He's a disciplined businessman. Because it's true. He's not taking any nonsense. You know what's fucking true? You know what else is a no-nonsense man? That fucking pig in New York who maced those women he netted. Did you see that shit? That fucking beefy piece of shit. There's like these two... Apparently out there, 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 there's these two... Uh, distinctions in the police. They're and they're calling uh, the white collar police and the blue collar police. The guys in the blue suits are apparently just being police and they're cool. But they're these violent kind of like uh, thug pigs out there who have been like grabbing people who aren't doing anything. And I saw the video of the girls getting maced. Did you see that video? Yeah, it looks like does the girl try to pull down the barrier and then he just maces her? Is that what happened? I no no no. I watched it a bunch of times and I didn't see her do that. And if she did do that, I, even then well, I don't think way, it's you can't you can't mace. mace but he didn't just, just mace her. He maced a maced yeah. maced it. He maced a bunch of them yeah, for and, no reason. For no reason. Yeah. And then he he's kind of like skittered off. Yeah. He he did like a, he came in, did it, and then tried to sneak away. They got a picture of the son of a bitch. It's on. You can look at. What's the name of that thing? It's Occupy Wall Street. Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. On that site, OccupyWallStreet.org, I think, there's a picture of the guy. They got a picture of him, and they're trying to find him because they've got lawyers who are volunteering to help wow. the people get out of jail and help the people who are – like, they've already arrested 100 people. And what are they doing? They're protesting what? 
See, that's they're protesting. The idea is they're protesting the the fact that one percent of the people on the planet control all the resources, and they're going to Wall Street because that's a that seems to be like the locus of all this like uh, greed. There's great video. There's video of like these really like rich people sitting out on a balcony drinking champagne and toasting the protesters. All these like super really? richy riches out there just watching them like they're like fucking with them. Yeah, kind of. Really? Yeah. Wow. You know, like, they're a novelty. It's like, look, oh, look at the protesters. This is what I keep hearing. Um, I keep hearing that no one's covering this in the mainstream news. I keep hearing that. But then I'm looking at Bloomberg.com, and it's on there. It's on Business Insider. They just, I think they've started covering it. They just started it. covering yeah. it. Like, they have to. Yeah. Because people are starting to get arrested. Yeah, that's it. Is that what it is? But I don't know the real number of people that, that are out there right now. I, 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 I would love to know that. This is fascinating. This is a new movement. Yep. And it's happening right now. I mean, if you're if you're in New York, you could go down there right now and bring them a sandwich, because they got to be hungry, man. A lot of these kids, they don't look like they don't. They've been out there for eight days. Nearly a hundred people have been arrested for protesting in and around Wall Street during what some are calling the Arab Spring of the United States. Outraged. Oh wow, that's scary. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you hear that? You think about what's going on in these Arab countries. Outraged over the way. That the uh, political and financial worlds are managed. Protesters calling themselves the 99% have gathered to share their grievances with the top 1% of America and demand change. Well, I don't understand why it's illegal to protest. I thought protesting was always legal. Is it your. You have to get a permit to protest. And And these people don't have permits? Is that what it is? Uh, I think that they they did get permits. I don't know. I'm sh- I wouldn't be gross. surprised if there was like they didn't have a permit. It seems gross that you should need to get permission to protest. It seems like there should be some sort of a right, but I don't know if you should be able to do it on someone's property. Like if you're blocking them, blocking traffic. In. Yeah, that shit's annoying. I mean, yeah, but it does seem to go counter to the idea of a protest, which is like, can I have your permission to protest? You're just supposed to protest. Yeah, I mean, look, it's something. I, mean, I, I, you know, I, I support them. They're doing something. You know, they're they're out there beating the drum. They're letting everybody know, hey, we're we are pissed off. Yeah. But to say it, it's like that. That it's like an Arab Spring in the United States. That's fascinating. Well, people are. I mean, it's like people. This whole thing of like one percent of the fucking population having all the shit. Mm-hmm. It's like at some point that that can't work anymore. Like if you're on an, yeah. let's imagine we're on an island, and one there's like ten people on the island, and one person on the island has control of all the bananas. It's like. You got to share the bananas, man. It's, right. You got to you got to pass the bananas around. I don't care how you got them. Right, and the idea is that you look at the end of the day, you're using up the Earth's resources. If you, especially if you're talking like some big, gigantic corporation, you're yeah. using up a gigantic chunk of the Earth's resources, which you know, really, in all fairness, should be distributed equally Everyone's. amongst all the people on the planet. Yeah, we just don't have you the know? technology yet to do it. And and also, a lot of the people who this, the resources would get distributed to are fucking idiots. Right. So like, that is a real problem, because a lot of people are not... Because our education system is crap. So people have been being like brought up through a really crappy education system. Not all of the schools are terrible, but a lot of them, they have, these kids, they have way too many kids. How are you going to teach a classroom of 60 fucking kids many of them in like who are living in poverty and their parents are drug addicts how are you going to do that you'd have to be superman to pull that off so it's like that you're you're dealing with like a people who haven't been educated and people who are hopeless and so the real question is let's imagine that all the one percent that these people are protesting suddenly like we're like you know what we're going to distribute our wealth how do you do that like how would you even do it anyway 
Like, what's the? How do you? How do you solve the problem? I don't know, but they're saying we have to do something. That's what they're saying. They're right. You know, they're right. The system is completely fucked up. It doesn't work. It's not. It doesn't make sense that you. You, you like the the whole idea of a financial system. You know, the whole idea of when you start talking about banks and economics and numbers and manipulating things. And yeah. Then, and then things get so weird where you talk about like interest rates and then yeah. you talk about taxes and you talk about the distribution of the money. Where's the tax money going? Where's yeah. when you you break all these numbers down, then you realize realize that these numbers only represent numbers. They, yeah. don't, they don't represent a fucking bag of gold somewhere. Nope. They don't represent anything of like real value. It's like numbers. So then when someone has, you know, fucking eighteen billion dollars or something crazy, yeah. and then you, you you examine them and you go, What did you do? Well, I moved numbers. I, I moved numbers around and I made billions of dollars moving all right. these numbers and buying and selling numbers and agreeing and, and, and Graham Hancock's here. Cool. Powerful. All right, folks, that's the end of this one. And we'll be right back in about 15 minutes because he's going to eat some food. But thank you. And sorry. We'll be back.